Hello and welcome to Rethink, a podcast focused on the future of skilled nursing. I'm Shelby Grebin, a reporter with Skilled Nursing News. I'm joined for this episode by Lynn Hood, CEO of Principal LTC, a leading provider of skilled nursing facility management services across North Carolina, Kentucky, and Virginia. The company manages 45 facilities and holds approval for the construction of an additional five in North Carolina. Before we get into that conversation, I'd like to highlight the Continuum Conference taking place on December 7th in Washington, D.C. Aging Media Network is bringing all of its publications together for this special event, inviting our readers from across senior care and healthcare to learn the trends and strategies reshaping how care is delivered to older and complex populations as silos are being broken and integration is more critical than ever. Visit skillednursingnews.com slash events to learn more. And now, my conversation with Lynn Hood. Lynn, thank you so much for coming on the show. Shelby, thank you. It's absolutely my pleasure. And thank you for the work you do on behalf of the industry. Um, so, uh, just to sort of get into things, um, I know you've been working in long-term care for a long time. And um, just to get the audience a sense of who you are, um, could you share a story from your career that you would tell an aspiring nurse, something to get them excited about a possible career in the post-acute sector? Yeah, Shelby, it's my pleasure. So um, I actually started in this industry when I was 16 years old, uh, working in the kitchen in a nursing home, and um, sort of through the years, continued to work in nursing homes uh, while I was getting my nursing degree. And I guess I'm a little bit of a defunct nurse because I actually never went into nursing practice. By the time I had finished my nursing degree with a focus in biology and psychology, I had already uh, been enrolled in the long-term care uh, administration program. Mm. So um, I immediately, um, you know, at the age of 24, was a nursing home administrator. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, from for other nurses, it's a it's a wonderful career for nurses. Um, you know, not everyone has the drive to go into leadership and administration. It was kind of always my drive, but I believe if you're a nurse, um, the the you know the world is your oyster. Um, you can really go in any direction you want. Long term care is such a fantastic um, career because it's such a generalist career. You get to touch. Um, you know, everything from housekeeping to laundry to finances to clinical care to customer relations. So it's a wonderful career for nurses, and I highly encourage them um, before they even consider about going into administration to actually consider coming to work in a long-term care uh, facility. A lot of my leadership team right now, uh, three of my leadership team members who are in the C-suites are, are nurses And um, actually, one went from an LPN all the way up to uh, being my chief operating officer. And another one went from being an RN to an RN consultant to our chief uh, process and our sort of people and uh, employee relations department and marketing and sales. So Mm. it's a great career. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, speaking of careers in long-term care, um, I know that staffing is at the top of mind right now with the staffing mandate. And so I was wondering if Principal has been able to implement any initiatives to improve recruitment. Yeah, um, we've actually done a lot, Shelby. And my um, my take on recruiting is it's so tightly 
unwound into retention. And, you know, we, we have actually uh, netted a thousand new hires this year and we've reduced um, our agency dependency by 70% this year. And I think mm-hmm. that um, we did start our own recruiting department um, during the course of the pandemic. It was not a department we had before, but we knew we needed all hands um, on deck. We also create, created some tools for the administrator to use, visual tools, um, to discuss with their team the number of openings and who's coming in for interviews and making sure that we are at, at the front desk back uh, making sure potential applicants are treated well. Uh, it's been kind of an all hands on deck approach. Mm, definitely. Um, something interesting you said, you know, was that recruitment is tied so closely to retention. Um, could you talk a little bit more about uh, retention? Yeah, so from the beginning of my career, going back to when I was an administrator at 24, I always believed that if you take care of the people that take care of the patients, a lot of things take care of themselves. And, you know, that's um, simplifying the industry, but I've always found in my career that if the people that are taking care of the patients feel like they are respected, they have clear guidelines and systems, and they have the tools available to do their jobs, um, you know, that is a key point. So at mm-hmm. a principle, some of the things we've done with retention have been, I think, um, very fundamental to our um, success. So the first is we created our guiding principles when I got here in 2018. And those um, guiding principles were built by a group of leaders in the company. And um, the areas that we address under the word principle, which is our company name, is people mm-hmm respect, integrity, nurturing, care, inclusivity, purpose, leadership, and excellence. So on the retention front, you start with a fundamental um, approach to caring for people. And that approach allows a lot of things to fall into place. We started Principal Cares. Principal Cares is a not-for-profit arm of our company that provides an employee uh, with an income level under 50000 a year um, to uh, fill out an application for financial support, and it is 100% theirs once, once, they're, once they're given it. So things like, God forbid, um, personal crises, divorces, fires, um, having issues with paying rents, food. We're available to our employees uh, on the front line to help with that. We also have another program that's in the process of being developed, but it is hit the ground already as we have a program called Cardinal Closet. And that is a room and an area of the building designed for our line staff to take what they need, uh, bread, food, items, etc. And um, the building where it's been piloted, um, they've also um, gotten the program so strong that the family members, because, you know, family members can't give money or incentives to our staff, but if they want to drop off a few loaf of breads for the general good. Mm-hmm. Um, we also add Pay Active. Pay Active is a program where our employees, we, we thought about in retention, how do you recruit agency staff and how do you successfully maintain them? And so Pay Active is a program we purchased last year, and it allows the employee for little or no cost to get access to their daily funds of what they've earned. Um, and in fact, if they sign up for a Pay Active um, credit card, they can get their pay um, straight away with zero cost to the employee or the company. 
Um, so that's really been good. And then we developed this really robust orientation program. And our orientation program, uh, like I said, we've hired, we've netted over a thousand people this last year. And we asked them to rate um, the success from their perspective of the orientation program. And out of five stars, um, we've been um, given 4.75 by our new hires. So you can see Shelby, how this all ties into recruiting, um, because you got to get the people to the front door, but then you've got to make sure that you've sort of grabbed them out of the box. Um, I have a few other examples, if you would like, or? Um, I'd actually love to, um, you, and you sort of mentioned this, but um, if you could share any, in terms of leadership, um, some success stories or examples of employees um, who have benefited from some of these programs or, you know, gone on to make significant contributions to the company? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the first things when I arrived here in 2018 is we started a certification program for nurses. Um, the certification is called a RAC um, certification, and it specializes nurses in managing with the MDS, the minimum data set of our business. And so to date, we've put 72 nurses through that program. And if you think about what the industry has been through in the last three years, um, the retention of those nurses is about 65%, which um, might not sound great, but it really is good considering the turnover. So um, we also have been training um, with uh, Eastern Carolina University uh, new administrators. And through that program, we've been able to retain quite a few administrators, and some of them have actually moved up uh, in the company um, and then I think, you know, the other piece of it is just offering educational opportunities with, with support um, so that people can in, um, improve their overall, um, um, you know, life circumstances by getting educated. So the next question that I was going to ask was if you have any plans to evaluate the effectiveness of um, some of these initiatives, like is it based off of performance metrics or employee feedback um, and just sort of what some of the expected outcomes are? Um, yeah, thanks, Shelby. So honestly, anything that we do with our employees has to be measured in some form of capacity. And I have a analytics department that does quite a bit of that. So, you know, when we look at um, measurements, new employees um, saying that 4.75 uh, stars out of five on their orientation is a great measurement. Being able to um, actually net a thousand employees in one year is a true measurement. Um, also, the departure of agency, which I know everyone in this industry is is, is looking forward to, is a true measurement. Um, and um, our hope is, as we continue on the retention front, that we offer a wide variety of education for every employee in the building, from the receptionist to the housekeeper to the dietary aides, that they can get engaged in, and with that would come additional compensation. We've actually done $13 million of wage increases in the mm -hmm. last, um, since the pandemic started. And, you know, at some point, um, you know, you hit a ceiling with wages and you've got to find other ways to engage people. And I think education is the most powerful gift you can give to, to anyone. And mm -hmm. so hopefully as we continue to expand that program, we'll be measuring, um, you know, education and retention side by side. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, and then I'm, I'm wondering, besides um, staffing and retention, um, what else are you really focused on right now in your role as CEO? 
Yeah, so I think always my first and foremost priority, besides making sure that the employees are being treated fairly and we have good systems in place, is developing my leadership team. And uh, my leadership team is um, um, greater than fifty percent women, um, wow. and, and I have thank you, and I have a I have a great uh, dedication to helping uh, women um, uh, succeed in their careers. Um, actually, I was uh, blessed enough to work with Direct Supply, who is one of our phenomenal partners in this industry, uh, mm-hmm. with a group called Win that they have. When I was able to go and talk to them about the glass ceiling that I think my generation has somewhat cracked. Um, so mm-hmm. definitely developing leaders. Um, also, I think that one of the areas that, um, I like to work on is innovation. So uh, we've developed very, what I would call very effective tools internally uh, to manage the day-to-day operations of the nursing home that are easy to use and provide very quick feedback to the administrators on, on what they're doing. And we also worked closely with Eli Lilly during the pandemic to um, deliver a monoclonal antibody when there were no vaccines. Um, and that was another area of innovation where we we actually excelled as an organization because we were able to save lives with Lilly. Um, and then the other big area I would say is advocacy. Um, our industry is um, not known for creating an environment where we speak up when something is about to be um, pushed down to us on a regulatory side or on a legal side, we, we kind of take our lumps along the way. And so we've developed an advocacy program um, that engages uh, all of our employees to speak up and write letters to you know their senators, their congressmen, um, CMS, whatever the issue is. And the last two issues we addressed, one was the PDPM changes, um, and with those changes, we were 40% of the letters came out of principle. Now with, you know, over a million beds in the, in the, uh, in this country, we're hoping more people will start speaking up on advocacy. And of course, PDPM, uh, as it was proposed before the advocacy was a cut and we actually ended up getting an increase. And then the second one was the area around the mandated staffing minimums. And we did the first writing campaign was before the rule came out. And we were able to get about 26% of the total um, letters from the industry. So a lot of my time has been spent talking to other CEOs and other leadership people about the importance. Because during our advocacy efforts, one of the most I think amazing things, but it shouldn't have surprised me, was that 80% of our letters came from nurses and aides. So they know the issues. They know the whys behind regulatory um, recommendations and or laws and how to address them and say what will work and what doesn't work. So advocacy would be um, sort of the the next point um, in this uh, of what we're working on. Um, so yeah, I think we've got done a lot of unique things to kind of get, um, you know, our voices heard in the industry. Just to go back to something you said, I thought was so interesting, um, because, you know, I know that long-term care and sort of caretaking in general is a very, um, uh, sort of, there are a lot of women working in long-term care, but you don't see a lot as I, I would say, I guess it's still, when you look at CEOs and um, you know senior leadership, it's still mostly men. Um, so, if you could just speak to that a little bit more, um, and and why that has been a specific focus of yours. 
Yeah, well, obviously, um, you know, you can tell by the number of years I've been in this industry, which is which is well over 35, um, that I was around during the days when women were not in charge of anything in nursing homes. We were nurses, we were department heads, but we didn't have a strong administrator force. And so, you know, I learned at an early age, um, and, and this is going back now into the um, late 70s when I started in the early 80s when I was administrator, that it was a man's world. And in order to be successful in a man's world, you had to work harder, you had to think quickly, you had to be willing to put in super long hours. And so I think the team of women that are around me, every single one of them sacrificed a lot um, during their earlier years to demonstrate um, their their ability to move up in an organization. So I, you know, I think love men. I think there's a lot of great men CEOs out there, but there was an absolute deficit in women. And so throughout my whole career, I've tried to help lift women up. And I think there's two general rules if you're a a woman and you want to be successful in a corporation is one is you've got to be willing to work harder than the average bear. Um, Two is you have to be authentic. And in the past, a lot of women would try and use their sexuality or try to use their um, strength and personality to, to compete. And that's no longer necessary. So for people like you, younger generation coming up, I think we did crack that glass ceiling. And so now it's really just all about being authentic, working hard, and not setting a limit of where you can go uh, in your career. If the top is where you want to go, you can get there with sacrifices, just like men have to sacrifice when they want to take on big positions. Women Mm -hmm. might have to sacrifice just a little bit more still. Um, Thank you. Um, And uh, just to sort of wrap things up, the name of this podcast is Rethink. And I was just wondering if there is a sort of common practice or maybe a piece of industry conventional wisdom um, that you think nursing home operators need to rethink. Yeah. So I think the first thing goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, and that is you take care of people. And if, 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 organizations and companies believe that they're going to be successful without their staff having a voice and their staff being respected and their staff being treated equally, um, that's not going to happen. And and one of my stories related to this was in my last organization, about um, uh, 25% of my workforce was impacted by the 2010 earthquakes in Haiti. And I was asked, um, not asked, I was actually uh, involved in leading an effort to raise money, funds, clothing, food, and ultimately tents because a lot of my employees' families were homeless. And I uh, connected with a group called the Haitian American Nursing Organization in South Florida. They're now national and they're an amazing group of women, just absolutely amazing. And um, they agreed to get our supplies over there, but said I had to go. Um, So that started a kind of a, I'm now a board member or or executive member of their uh, organization. It's a not-for-profit organization. It's not a paid position. But um, once we engaged with those employees, we then got together with one of the universities in South Florida and measured retention. And for those employees who we helped their families during that horrible event, 80% of them were still with the company five years later. That's a big story. So when we're 
thinking as an industry about the bottom line, about finances, about um, ways to do things, those are all important. But if the people aren't put first, um, I think the the success of the organization is going to uh, fail. I think the other thing is we have to um, advocate for ourselves. And it's that we can't keep taking beating after beating um, by everyone. Nursing homes are not a popular business. No one really wants to go to a nursing home. I don't want to go to a nursing home. But we play a really important role in the healthcare spectrum. And I think that um, it's our job to let us know that, let everyone know that our industry is a needed industry. And, you know, we look at our residents and we think how many of them could go home if the nursing homes were closed or something catastrophic happened. And very few, even with even with uh, family members living in the house, could handle being home because of their needs. So you got to speak up for the industry. And then again, like I said, picking your partners wisely surround yourself with the best people, both as partners and also in your work team. I mean, I am definitely never the most educated or smartest person in my um, leadership team, even today, but I know how to find them and I know how to motivate them. And um, I don't always do it well, but I try to let them know that they're an important and integral part of the company. So I think it's all about people, your partners, your um, and, and just the way you advocate for the industry. It's time for this industry to start realizing that we are needed. And if you remember during the early parts of the pandemic, when a lot of nursing homes couldn't take patients, the hospitals collapsed. So we have to remember that because anything the government does to the organizations that causes a financial collapse or an operational collapse is going to back up the hospitals, which is going to back up the health system. So we are an integral part and we have to keep reminding ourselves that we play a key role in speaking to the healthcare community, be it hospitals, home health, doctors, that we are an integral part and we, we want a voice at the table. Well, thank you so much, Lynn, for joining us today. And everyone, be sure to tune in to our next podcast. Thank you, Shelby. Have a great day. That does it for this episode of Rethink. Once again, I'd like to remind listeners about the upcoming Continuum Conference taking place on December 7th in Washington, D.C. Visit skillednursingnews.com events to learn more and get tickets. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.